Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and good to have you along for the ride today. Um, we've got an hour here lined up to discuss some very important issues, especially as it pertains to our culture and why the culture seems to be falling apart. You know, if you're going to seek to destroy something, what do you do? I mean, you can you can use the uh, worldly approach today. I don't know if you're a football fan at all. Um, I used to be when I was younger, and every now and again, like, you know, we watch the Super Bowl every year, and there might be a bowl game or something. I'm not the habitual, regular, turn-it-on fan. Uh, my wife is a big football fan, and was uh, her brother played when she was younger. She was a cheerleader all through growing up and everything, and really has an affinity for it. So I don't have a hard time saying, hey, baby, I want to watch a football game, and she'll do it. But we don't typically watch it that much. But one of the things I've, I've noticed over the years is the way that defensive players, especially, are taught how to tackle. I mean, when we were coming up back in the old days, there was a proper way to block, you know, with your forearms up and your hands together. And uh, you would, you know, do what you could to keep the defensive guy from coming your way. But then the defensive guy could slap your helmet and push you around a little bit. And, and everyone at the line of scrimmage grabs each other by the jersey, right? It's just kind of the way, that's the way they do it. But when it came to tackling, <clears throat> there was definitely a method for tackling. When the ball carrier has the ball either through the quarterback running it or hands it off to a running back or throws it to a wide receiver, um, once that player catches the ball they start to run and it's up to the other players the defensive side to either knock the ball out of his hand so they can get it or to bring him to the ground and the play ends of course when the players tackle I mean it's pedantic if you're a football fan but method of the madness here when you watched the players getting tackled typically what happened was the player who was on the defensive side would go after the legs of the person who was running the idea was, if I grab you by the legs, then you can't run, and then I can knock you to the ground. And there was definitely a way. We used to practice these tackling drills, and there were tackling dummies that you practiced on, and you used to push against them if you were a defensive lineman coming in, or you'd get pushed against them if you were an offensive guy. But then there was a way that you would practice diving in and tackling the dummy, get your arms wrapped around their feet. And the idea was, if you get your arms around their feet, they can't go anywhere. It made perfect sense. You went right to the source. Over time, the people who are the powers that be in the football leagues all around the country decided they wanted to try to make the game a little safer. And so they added more padding. You remember those old pictures of like the early 20th century, you know, where the guys had the maybe a leather helmet on and a couple of shoulder pads and hip pads. But other than that, you know, they just kind of went out there mano a mano, right? <laughs> Bang each other up. Um, remember when they went to the hard plastic leathery type of helmets then eventually with the face guards and and then the hand protectors and all the other things that went to it mouth guards but an interesting thing happened as the leagues started requiring more safety components and that is you guessed it it's, it's a classic case of what happens in the culture when people think they have protection and so what do they do they act more carelessly i mean you know we saw this happen during the pandemic initially people were doing their level best to try to keep everything at bay, you know, keep your distance, wear the mask and wash your hands, whatever it was. But once the vaccine, quote unquote, and I say vaccine, quote unquote, it just out of respect and deference for the people who were trying to put these vaccines together and trying to attack a virus that by nature and by definition would mutate and morph into different iterations of itself to avoid being caught by whatever preventive medicine you put in. But once people started getting, you know, one jab and then a second jab, something began to happen. And that was a lot of people who had the vaccine who were told, okay, now that you have this, you have protection, started taking less of the precautions necessary in terms of the cleanliness and, oh, it's just a sniffle and it's no big deal. And, well, I can't get this because I was told since I'm vaccinated, basically, I'm, it's, it's impervious to me. And Unfortunately, though the media told us that it was the people who had not received the jab that were the biggest cause of spreading, some folks started to ask the question, wait a minute, why is it that the people who have the vaccine in their system are now somehow at a greater risk because there are other people out there who don't? I mean, if you have the vaccine, in theory, 
doesn't that mean you have a greater defense? And so even if somebody didn't have the vaccine in their system, that shouldn't be a problem for you. It seemed like more and more people who had gotten the jab were getting sick. And now if you look at the statistics, you'll find it's a pretty even split between people who wind up in the hospital with COVID and either they get to the hospital and then they get COVID or they have COVID, they go to the hospital. But more people who had the vaccines are dying of COVID in the hospital than people who didn't. So but you have to realize that the nature of a vaccine is they basically shoot whatever that ailment is into your body to provide a layer of protection so you can fight off any other attacks that come your way. Didn't quite work out that way. Well, back to the NFL so and college football and high school. As more pads became available, as more face guards and protections became available, players began to get more reckless. And now instead of the proper tackling technique, here's what happened. You didn't see guys diving for feet and trying to wrap up their ankles and drag them to the ground. Instead, it was just like, I'm big, you're big, I'm going to knock you over. And you see a lot more players, if you watch the quote-unquote tackling, just, they try to hit each other and knock each other over. Well, it's kind of silly, I mean, when you get right down to it, because it does lead to greater injury, greater risk, but also it isn't as effective. If you want to take the runner down, if you want to take the ball carrier or the receiver who's heading toward the end zone down, you take them out at the feet. I mean, first and foremost, that's what you do. And this is something that we in the body of Christ need to pay closer attention to, I believe, in the culture. Because what's happening here is we in the body of Christ, I believe, are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We see people of uh, great, this past uh, week, uh, Michael Youssef, pastor at Leading the Way, uh, both a Bible teacher on Leading the Way radio and television, and also the pastor of Church of the Apostles in Atlanta, welcomed former Vice President Mike Pence to the pulpit. He shared his testimony there. It was amazing you know, to hear these guys. Now, the Pences and the Youssefs are actually good friends. Um, they've known each other for quite some time, and Michael Youssef has shared that with me here on the Bottom Line Show, how grateful he was that when Donald Trump was elected, Mike Pence was also elect- elected, because I asked him, who did you vote for for president? And he said, actually, that year in 2016, he said, I, I voted for Mike Pence for president, and I knew exactly what he meant. A lot of people did. They said, okay, Donald Trump we're not so sure about, but Mike Pence, yeah, I'll vote for that guy. And so when we see a guy like the former vice president of the United States in the pulpit of a church, we go, hey, this is great. You know, we're, we're going to go. This is a, this, we're, 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 we could take on the culture now. A guy like him could be elected president, and there are Christians on the Supreme Court. And, but we don't realize that, that the enemy is doing is working in the opposite direction and literally taking us out at our feet, one by one, bit by bit. Let's attack the institution of marriage. Let's attack the institution of family. Look at all the confusion with regard to gender dysphoria. Perhaps you've heard about this case that John Kluge is a uh, was a teacher in Brownsburg Community School um, District in Indiana. Music teacher and orchestra leader, the school district mandated the teachers start calling students by their preferred gender pronouns. You know, as the you know, it's it's the kids' decision, not medical science, not the parents. These are all minor, minors here. But the school district initially he he put in for a. Uh, uh, a religious accommodation under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, and said, I, here's the deal. I'm not going to call a boy by a girl's name and refer to him as her. I, I can't do that. But I would like permission to at least refer to my students by last name. You know, kind of like if I was coach. Marsh, get over here. We're, okay, that's fine. That seemed like a good compromise. And originally, the, uh, the, the school district granted his request. They said, based on his religious beliefs, he continued to teach under the religious accommodations for the entire school year. But there were a few students, a couple of faculty members. They said it was not, you know, fair. And so basically, he was forced out. He was forced to resign. His teaching career was over. He is now working with our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom and trying to get the case uh, to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, the original, you know, they, when sometimes when you go to an appellate court, they have a three-justice panel, and then they have like a 12-justice panel. The three-justice panel in the Seventh Circuit ruled two to one against him. So now he's asking for a reversal of the lower court decision and uh, is hoping that the entire uh, Seventh Circuit court will hear the whole thing, the whole case. Uh, we've got a link for this up at thebottomlineshow.com. But again, this is another place where the enemy has gone after one teacher and has tackled him by the ankles so he can't move forward.
not trying to knock out the entire institution of marriage. And this is sometimes where we in the body of Christ, I think, miss it. What we do is we uh, say, let's go after the whole thing. We got, you know, Jack Phillips and wins a masterpiece cake shop and Roe versus Wade. Yeah, see, sweeping things. Let's get rid of abortion. And the enemy says, no, we're going to take John Kluge's case, one case at a time. Barry Dills Tutsman, one case at a time. And that's why I encourage you to go to uh, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, hit the Alliance Defending Freedom banner, and make a donation. We, we are looking for 40 people who listen to the Bottom Line Show to donate $50 each every month to support Alliance Defending Freedom. Who knows? You might be John Kluge at some point. It might actually come down to, I know it's hard to believe, but it might be your pastor, it might be your church, it might be your business, it might be your job that is in danger. And religious liberty is fought for in the courts by our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the banner today. Well, of course, we know the institution of marriage has been under attack for quite some time. What can we do? I mean, put the legal stuff, stuff aside. What can we do to live more godly lives and more, have more godly marriages in a culture that's making it tougher and tougher to do this? Um, author, speaker, and pastor Bob Lapine has written a book called Build a Stronger Marriage, The Path to Oneness. It's part of the Ask the Christian Counselor series with our friends at New Growth Press. You recognize Bob's voice. He's the announcer on uh, Truth for Life with Alistair Begg every weekday here on Bottom Line Show Affiliates all across the country. Bob's going to join me on the other side of this break to talk about building a stronger marriage in a culture that continues to devalue this institution. That's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account, Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, a familiar voice and also now a familiar face for those who are watching at myhopenow.com, Bob Lapine, longtime co-host of the Family Life Today radio broadcast and for our Bottom Line show affiliates, of course. Bob is the voice you hear at the beginning and the end of Truth for Life with Alistair Begg each and every weekday on our affiliate stations that carry this. Uh, Bob is a teaching pastor at Redeemer Community Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. He is the author of numerous books. And today here on the program, we're going to talk about his latest that is, it's very simple and yet it's not easy to do building a stronger marriage is the name of the book the path to oneness it's part of the ask the christian counselor series from our friends at new growth press bob lapine welcome back to the bottom line show hey roger always great to be with you thanks for having me on well i'd love to have you here and as i mentioned uh, to our myhopenow.com listeners and viewers as well it's nice to have bob on camera as well you you <laughs> you clean up really nicely for the camera bob and we're, <laughs> we're grateful to have that thank hey, you can we talk about marriage for just a moment in the sense that I think there's probably never been a time in the culture that I've been aware of where there's been more confusion about marriage. And I know that you have spent so much of your time in ministry with family life and also in the pulpit, really kind of helping people understand why biblical marriage, Christian marriage, as we talk about, is really the bedrock not only of our our families in Christ, but also of society too. Take a moment, if you will, and kind of help us understand how we got to this point where so many people are saying, well, marriage is whatever the state defines, not what your Bible tells us it is. You know, I, I think we got here, Roger, by um, forgetting what love is. And and I think along the way, you could, you could whether it's Shakespeare or uh, Hallmark movies or the Bronte sisters, you, could, you can pick who you want to, to lay this at the feet of, but we we turned love into an emotional and romantic ideal mm. rather than recognizing that the Bible looks at love in, in grittier terms and says love involves commitment and self-sacrifice. Right. And, and as a result, we said love and marriage are connected, and they are, they should be, 
But if we, we started to think love means um, what Hallmark says it means or what pop songs say it means. And so if, if I'm all out of love, if you've <laughs> lost that love and feeling, right, why should you stay married? That's the yeah. thought that comes along. Mm -hmm. And then if that's how we're thinking about staying together with love, people come and say, well, if two people love each other, why shouldn't they be able to get married? Right. And so when we lost our sense of what real love looks like, we started to to drift from a biblical understanding. And then we came along and said, we, we forgot all about the fact that there's a coupling between marriage and reproduction. Mm -hmm. We unplugged those two and said, well, you don't need to be married to have kids. And biologically, you don't. But if you want culture to survive, you need to be married to have kids. Kids need to be born into a family structure where there's a mom and there's a dad, and they learn so much from that. But when you unplug having kids from marriage, again, now all of a sudden, uh, it's just about what what is self-satisfying for me and my emotional needs being mm -hmm. met. And it's no longer about a bigger picture. So I think we're in the predicament we're in today because over time we have lost our grip first on the authority of scripture, but we've also lost our grip on our understanding of what it means to love one another, commitment, self-sacrifice, and then giving your life for the next generation as well. You know, it seems like a rather daunting task, doesn't it, Bob, for us in the body of Christ to say, hey, look, I mean, we, we are going to uh, try to reclaim marriage in the culture by living it out, by showing people that we know what the central purpose of marriage is. We know why God intended it for the good of all mankind, not just for the body of Christ, but I mean, even people outside the church, if you engage in the principles of biblical marriage, it does make the family better. It makes society better, et cetera. Um, a lot of people, though, say, wait a minute, you didn't grow up in my home, though, Bob Lapine. You don't know what it was like. My dad treated my mom horribly or my mom left my dad or, you know, they, and I I really kind of had to pump the brakes on whether or not I wanted to get married. Talk about That's one of the issues, though, that you see in your counseling and in the writing of this book, Build a Stronger Marriage, that a lot of people are saying, well, part of the reason why I'm just kind of letting marriage go off the rails is because I didn't see a good example, so I don't know what a good one looks like. And I think it's fair to own that and to say, yes, we have not modeled marriage well, but that doesn't mean that that uh, the the foundation for marriage is well. If if all of a sudden somebody, if, if Ford Motor Company started, uh, something got wrong on the assembly line and the cars started coming out looking bad and running bad and and we just look these cars are a mess they're they're no good i don't think we would say we should forget about cars <laughs> cars are bad no we good would point. say something got messed up here in the manufacturing of this well yes marriage has been corrupted in many ways by the culture or by our own selfishness and so people are seeing that and saying boy, marriage seems like a failed institution, when reality, it's the people who are trying to construct a marriage and trying to do it apart from biblical guidelines, who are making a hash of things. And as a result, people are, are looking and saying, it's it's not marriage that's wrong. It's the people who are, are trying to create it in their own image rather than doing it according to God's design. I'm talking with Bob Lapine today here on The Bottom Line. You recognize Bob from the uh, as the role as the announcer and the continuity guy, if you will, from Truth for Life with Alistair Begg. Of course, he was part of the family life ministry for many, many years and as a pastor in his own right. He's the author of a new book called Build a Stronger Marriage, The Path to Oneness. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Are you hearing, Bob, more from people like at your church and in people who are reaching out to you after this, since this book has been out and they're saying, boy, I really appreciate what you wrote about and they're bringing up to the the table saying, hey, look, there was a certain level of trauma in my wife's family or in my family growing up. And now that we got into marriage, all of a sudden, it's just like a minefield. I mean, every time you know something happens, it's, oh, my goodness, PTSD moment or whatever. Talk about how, I mean, it's a part of who we are, but yeah. it can sometimes sabotage a marriage if we're not careful. Talk about how a healthy Christian couple deals with trauma that brought into the marriage. Yeah, I think all of us have to recognize that at, at some level, for better or for worse, the, the family we grew up in, the, the hard experiences that we bring with us, all of these mark who we are and mark our lives. I remember sitting with a couple uh, talking about their marriage, talking about frustrations in their marriage, and the wife said to me, she said, he, he makes me so mad. He, he always does. And I forget what it was that, that he did. He, he talks this way or acts this way, but here's what was the trigger for me. She said, it's just like what my brother used to do. Mm. And I thought, mm. okay, your frustration is a brother who did not 
relate to you well. And what's happening is your husband is getting near a tender area that's never been resolved. And all of a sudden it's creating tension in your marriage. So here's how that works. Um, if, if your dad, uh, when you were growing up, if he was always critical, if he always said, you're so stupid and why don't you do anything? You're no good, right? You get married and then your spouse says to you, you know, have you ever thought about doing that this way? What you hear echoing in your head is the memory of your dad saying, you're so stupid, you're this, you're that. And you go, mm -hmm. why are you being so critical of me? Your, mm -hmm. your spouse thought they were being helpful, but you see them as critical because of those tapes that are playing. Right. When we recognize that and go, how I was formed, the, the, the family I grew up in, the pains of my past, I bring those with me into marriage. And yeah, we need to recognize those are there so that when we go near those, when we provoke one another, we can we can say time out let's recalibrate let's come back and re repledge our love to one another let's figure out what's going on here and what the real pain that's being addressed is and and we can move on from there are there certain things bob lapine we're talking about marriage today here on the bottom line and bob's new book building a strong marriage uh, are there certain things when it comes to that type of stuff that we just i don't know how else to put it so i'll just throw it out here learn to live with, you know, we got, we're going to look past it. I mean, it seems like the couples that have been married the longest and are the happiest, those little nitpicky things, they either, it didn't bother them or maybe they've learned how to look past it. How, where's a healthy, uh, happy medium, if you will, between saying, I know that's a problem, but I'm going to, I'm going to overlook that for now. What you've hit on really a key principle for marriage and it's found in Proverbs 1911, where the writer of Proverbs says it is a man's glory to overlook an offense. And the, the parallel to that in the New Testament is when in 1 Peter it says, love covers a multitude of sins. Or the Apostle Paul saying, love does not keep a record of wrongs. Yeah. Our default in marriage needs to be that when there are the little the kind of the buzzword today is microaggressions. Those happen right. every day in a marriage, right? Mm -hmm. When yeah. we say something or do something or don't do something that we could could provoke the other person, we could get easily annoyed. Why didn't my wife do that? Why'd they say that? Why'd they say it that way? The Bible tells us that it's a man's glory to overlook that. Love covers a multitude of sins. We, we need to pour grace on the top of all of those little things that can become irritants. Now, with that said, we need to recognize that if there are patterns in a marriage that are destructive to the relationship, if if there are patterns where a spouse is perpetually sinning against his or her mate, then that needs to be confronted for the good of the spouse who is trapped in that sin. Right. So I think we have to ask ourselves, am I just being easily provoked and annoyed? Or is there a pattern here that needs to be addressed so that my spouse can thrive because they're they're trapped in a sin pattern? It's one of the things I talk about in the book. How do we confront somebody when, when there is that kind of ongoing recurring sin pattern that needs to be addressed? How can we restore that person so that they're in a healthy place spiritually? Hmm. Restoration is so key in a marriage, and it is possible, uh, though there are some times when you have to look at the red flags and see how bad the damage is. But doing that healthy assessment is the beginning of the laying the foundation for building a stronger marriage. Bob Lapine with me today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Build a Stronger Marriage, The Path to Oneness. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk about forgiveness and, and how do we restore what's been broken? Or what happens if we get to that point where we look at a marriage and say, gosh, I'm not sure if we can fix this thing? More of my conversation with Bob Lapine in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Don't believe your insurance company is looking out for you. They're not. They want you to call them after you're in an accident, but you shouldn't handle that alone. That's where Stephanie Cover of Cover Law shines. With 20 years of insurance industry experience, she knows all the angles and will fight for your rights. Insurance companies pretend to be your partner, but in reality, their primary goal is to pay you as little as possible. When you work with Cover Law, Stephanie becomes your negotiator, and the insurance companies must talk to her, not you. You need to rest and heal. Stephanie is different from other attorneys. She's fully invested in your legal, medical, financial, emotional, and spiritual needs. After an accident, you don't want to deal with insurance adjusters who want to minimize your payout. 
So don't wait. Contact Cape Wright's personal injury attorney today at capewrightradio.com slash coverlaw. You won't pay a dime to talk to someone who truly cares about your healing. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Bob Lapine is our guest today here on the program, both for audio as well as video. Bob, of course, the very familiar voice on the Truth For Life broadcast, and you remember him for his many, many years, so over 30 years of hosting uh, Family Life Today with Dennis Rainey. And uh, Bob's been a longtime friend of the uh, Bottom Line Show family here as well. Uh, he's the author of a book. He's a pastor. People don't realize he's a founding pastor of Redeemer Church in Little Rock. Um, he's the author of a book called Build a Stronger Marriage, The Path to Oneness. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have a copy of that book that we're giving away right now. And I encourage you to get a copy and uh, use it as a... Uh, uh, use it as a resource that you can have in your church. This might be a great Sunday school curriculum to use or a small group. Uh, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line is we've been talking about how the enemy has been going after uh, marriage and the family, traditional fa- uh, gender roles and things of that nature. He doesn't go after big sweeping. I mean, <clears throat> you could look at something like the Obergefell decision or you know the original passage of Roe versus Wade or whatever and say, boy, these are big issues that the church needs to deal with. But basically it happens one step at a time, one marriage at a time, one relationship at a time. And where else are kids going to get solid biblical instruction about gender identity, about the uh, same-sex attraction and how to uh, confront it? Uh, what is healthy sexuality? What is, uh, uh, what, when does the sanctity of human life really take effect? I mean, when, when does life begin? Those, those are all questions that get answered in the home and ideally the best way God has given us to fight back against the culture is with biblical, traditional marriage, one man, one woman, woman for life. Uh, Bob Lapine writes about that in his book called Build a Stronger Marriage, The Path to Oneness. 800-227-5278, the number to call to get your copy. Uh, We're taking a break. We'll come back with more in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Bob Lapine is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Bob is the author of a brand new book, it's got a simple but profound title, and that's Build a Strong Marriage. I mean, it's really, uh, if you want to build a stronger marriage and find the path to oneness, you will find principles in Bob's new book. Uh, Bob has uh, been a radio veteran for years and broadcast veteran. Uh, he's also, you may not be aware of the fact that he's been serving as teaching pastor at Redeemer Community Church in Little Rock, Arkansas, for the better part of the past decade and a half, and has written several books on marriage and being a great Christian husband. Um, I always love looking at bio material, Bob, on you and other people too, because the the children we know, uh, you and yes. Marianne have five. How many grandkids are you up to now? Uh, ten and a half. We're expecting, and a half. <laughs> we're, we're expecting number 11 to come in September. So Excellent. we're grateful. Yeah. Well, absolutely. congratulations. Congratulations on that. Um, and I'm sure all your kids have read Build a Stronger Marriage and it's made their marriage that much better. They better have read it if they want a Christmas <laughs> gift this year. I love that. Hey, we were talking before the break, Bob, about forgiveness. And oftentimes people say, okay, that's kind of the secret sauce. If you could forgive, if you understand what that is, then you're going to make it. And yet you probably counsel a lot of couples. I know I've talked to a lot of them too. When it comes to forgiveness, that kind of just is supposed to mean I'm sorry and everything you did is okay with me. Uh, Can you help us understand what biblical forgiveness looks like, especially in the context of marriage? Yeah, I think, I think there's a shallow understanding, as you said, of what it means to forgive. We we have a lot of misconceptions about forgiveness. So people think, if I, if I forgive, I'm supposed to forget. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, there are some ways that we have been sinned against that we'll never forget. I've never met a couple where there's been adultery in the relationship, where the, the party who was the, the 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 victim in that situation says, you know, oh, I forgot all about that. I forgot that my spouse committed adultery. That stays with you. Mm. Here's what forgiveness is. And, and I learned this from Dennis Rainey from the years with him. He had a great sure. definition of forgiveness. He said, forgiveness is choosing to give up the right to punish another person for how they wronged you. Mm. So it we it's a perceived right. I'm going to put that right in air quotes because we, we don't have the right to punish anybody for how they've sinned against us. That vengeance belongs to the Lord, the Bible says. Right. So so we're to give up the perceived right that we have to to hurt or to strike back against somebody who has offended us. Forgiveness is saying I'm going to choose to to give that up. We we talk about it as burying 
the hatchet. And I always say to people, well, what were you doing with a hatchet in your hand in the first place? <laughs> right. That right. tells us something, right? A hatchet yeah. is there to attack. So mm -hmm. we bury the hatchet. We put away the tool of attack. But a lot of couples I know, they bury the hatchet halfway. They leave the handle sticking up out of the ground. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they say, yeah, I've forgiven you for that until the next time we're hurt. And then we go grab the hatchet and say, well, what about this time? What about that moment? If you forgive somebody, you permanently give up the right to, to bring it up again. Good One point. of the rules of forgiveness is to say, I'm not going to bring this up again. Think about this. God, here's how he describes his forgiveness toward us. He has put it as far as the east is from the west. It's behind his back where he can't see it. It is at the bottom of the sea. And the omniscient God, we're told in Scripture, has chosen to remember it no more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So God who knows everything. It doesn't mean that God goes, oh, yeah, I forgot all about that. No, it means that God has chosen never to bring this up again. Your sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, your sin, not in part, but the whole, mm -hmm. is nailed to the cross. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God never brings your sin up again because Jesus paid for it. Mm -hmm. So if that's true, when we forgive another person, we say, I'm releasing you from any debt you owe. I'll never bring this up again. That's what real forgiveness is. It doesn't mean that the person who's doing the forgiving will never hurt again. You may still experience pain. The memory flashes back. The pain is still there. And it also doesn't mean, here's what we've got to be careful. A lot of people think, I've I've forgiven him, but I can't trust him. Mm, yeah. Okay, so so that's possible because forgiveness is a choice we make. Trust is something that has to be rebuilt over time. So I, I say to folks, um, if your if your teenage son came home tonight and said, "Oh man, I was texting while I was driving. I wasn't paying attention. I had a wreck. The car's totaled," you would first say, "Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. The other person, they're okay. Yes, they're everybody's okay." And he would say, I'm so sorry. I, I know it was wrong. I'll never do it again. Will you forgive me? And you say, yes, I forgive you. And then he says, okay, great. Can I have the keys to mom's car? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because forgiveness can be extended, but to rebuild trust, we have to learn over time that patterns have been broken, that old ways of acting are not still there. That yeah. when you said, I want to never make this what I do again, I'm sorry. We want to make sure that sorrow is real and not just a momentary uh, negotiation technique. So we can forgive somebody and still have to rebuild trust in a relationship. But here's the kicker in all of this, Roger. You know this. The Bible tells us that forgiveness is not an option for those who have been forgiven. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> we're required to forgive others. Jesus says, if you fail to forgive then there, then I'm not going to forgive you. And it doesn't mean that our, our, our salvation is conditional. It means that people who have been forgiven become forgiving people. And if you're hanging on to an offense, if you're choosing not to let go and not to forgive somebody, you need to pause and just say, do I really understand what Jesus has done for me? Mm. Have I been forgiven? Because yeah. it is out of our own forgiveness that we're able to extend forgiveness to others. It's amazing how that is kind of the uh, the secret sauce, if you will. I mean, the, the blood of Jesus, of course, sets us free, but then it's the forgiveness of our sin that yes. allows us to stand before God. And so if, if that that's the currency that we are trading in, especially in a marriage, I mean, if there's not forgiveness, then you really don't have that biblical foundation. And Bob Lapine is driving that point home for us as he does in his brand new book called Build a Stronger Marriage, The Path to Oneness. We have a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. Bob, we have two minutes left, and so that's plenty of time for you to talk about restoring what's been broken in a marriage, right? I mean, you can, you can knock this stuff out in your sleep. But I, don't, I love the fact you've got some marriage best practices at the conclusion of the book to give us some hope. Now that we've identified the pratfalls, the pitfalls, or whatever, we can actually begin to look and say, okay, how do we assess how healthy the marriage is? Can you walk us through some of those here in the closing moments? You bet. To build a stronger marriage, it's not just putting off the, the broken habits. It's putting on new habits. And there are four that I outline in the book. Forgiveness is one of them. We've got to be generous forgivers. Mm -hmm. But there are three others that I think are common to marriages that are doing well, that are thriving. One is that there is uh, extravagant love. Love is not just mm -hmm. 
cheaply handed out. You know, it's not something that we're thrifty with. We are generous and and extravagant in expressing our love for one another. And I explain in the book what that means. We're enthusiastic encouragers of one another. Mm. That's another mm-hmm. thing. We are we say words to bless the other person. We cheer one another on. Uh, and then the the last thing is, that I think there have to be common core convictions. We have to, at, at the deepest level for a marriage to be healthy and to thrive, we have to be united around what's most important in our lives. When we're on two different pages about things that matter most, mm-hmm. that's going to be, that's going to be unstabling for a marriage relationship. Yeah. And especially when you consider it's good to be in the same book and hopefully to be in the same chapter. But exactly. if we're not on the same page, then that's going to be a recipe for disaster. And right. I'm so grateful that you pointed this out for us, Bob, and I put together this primer for couples, <clears throat> regardless of how long you've been married. I mean, whether you've been married a couple of weeks, a couple of months, or maybe decades, this is still a great uh, way to do a, a checkup and assessment, if you will, for building a stronger marriage. Bob Lapine with Family Life Today and with uh, Alistair Begg's Truth for Life Ministries, of course, where you've heard him for many, many years. The new book is called Build a Stronger Marriage, The Path to Oneness. And we have a link for the book up at the Bottom Line Show.com. Bob, always a pleasure. Thanks. Great to be with you and to see you today here on the Bottom Line Show. Thanks for being with us. Hey, Roger. Great to be with you as well. Well, a great discussion as always. And if you are listening to the radio right now, or if you're listening to the audio podcast, remember that Bob and I did this. Actually, uh, we, we were just finishing up a Zoom conversation. So you get a chance to see Bob and us. And it's always fun, especially since neither one of us will be able to attend this year's National Religious Broadcasters Convention. And I'm, I'm bummed the first time in 20 years for me not being able to go. But since they moved it to uh, late May, and we've just got a lot going on with some family things and stuff. And Bob's leading a group of people to Israel. So uh, it was nice to be able to see him, uh, at least on Zoom. Bob Lapine, the author of the book, Build a Stronger Marriage, The Path to Oneness. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we're giving away a copy of this book right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And I want to point something out here before we move any further. One of the biggest areas in marriage that leads to confusion and conflict and sometimes even to the crumbling of the marriage are financial issues, hands down. And if you have been married for a long time and then all of a sudden it feels like you're kind of strained in the marital relationship, remember the gray divorce thing is no joke. Uh, been there, done that, bought the franchise, you know? So I realized that uh, one of the things that can often lead to, either it becomes a symptom of a deeper underlying problem, or it becomes the foundational issue, and that is money. How does the couple handle money? Uh, I remember uh, many, many years ago, uh, uh, friends of ours who were, uh, they were both in the counseling world, and they were asking young couples when they first got married, one of the basic questions was, do you have a joint checking account or do you each keep separate funds? And that the way the couple answered that question, sometimes it was a, we have a joint account, but there's a business account for my husband's business or there's a whatever account for you know the, the children, whatever it was. If there was not at least one joint account or both couples didn't have access to all the accounts, it was a recipe for disaster. And one of the places I think where some of these gray divorces are starting to pop up is in the area of money. Um, you get 25, 30, 35 years into the marriage and you realize, hey, this isn't going the way I was hoping, or maybe you know there's a lack of equity in the marriage. And sometimes it just boils down to what you have for retirement, what you thought you had, what you didn't have. I am amazed, I am stunned at the number of people who get to their 60s and they get to that season of life where they're thinking about retiring and then something happens like a a husband passes away, wife then says, I have no idea what the money looks like. I I don't have any clue whatsoever. I don't know about retirement. I don't know about 401ks. My husband had an IRA and a 401k and um, now all of a sudden here comes this money and it's what's being paid to him but because of the way our estate was set up, now I have to pay all these taxes and I just don't get it. Uh, Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial Services has founded a movie, a documentary called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. It explains the history of the American retirement system, how the 401k and the individual retirement account came to 
be why pensions are no longer as popular as they used to be if you can even get a company to offer you a quote-unquote pension plan instead they'll say oh we have a 401k or the nonprofit world of 403b that's the irs designation for that account and for every dollar you put in we'll match it with a two percent or three percent contribution and you can tuck it away i learned some lessons about a 403b that i was involved in that was just maddening about a church situation i was in and i i'm not a big fan of them at all (laughs) Uh, Dennis has the this movie called The Baby Boomer Dilemma, and he showed it a couple times locally here. There were a couple of local screenings here in Garden Grove at the Gem Theater. Hundreds of bottom line show listeners went, saw the movie, uh, had their eyes opened to what was really happening in their retirement accounts, and then they said, okay, Dennis, what do I do? And Dennis and his team were there to be able to help give some good counsel. In some cases, you're already in good shape, and it's just kind of interesting to find out how the 401k, the IRA, how that came to being. As a matter of fact, one of the guys who's interviewed in the Baby Boomer Dilemma is the guy who created the 401k. So kind of to see why it seemed like a good idea at the time, but now it's kind of a sucker bet, and the government winds up getting more of your money than they than you think you are. You get a little bit of a relief every year when you're taking some money off the top for your uh, lowering your tax burden. But as you get into retirement, especially if you have a defined benefit retirement plan, like you work for the state, where they guarantee you that you're going to make 90% of your income at age 50, uh, if you retire past the age of 50, well then you get cost of living increases. So there's a very good possibility that if you work for the state, let's say you made $100,000 a year, for one year after you know so you decide to retire you get 90 percent of that so you, your pension starts at ninety thousand. but if cost of living goes up two three with inflation five six seven percent every year you'll be making over a hundred thousand dollars a year in retirement so if you put money into a 401k and they told you oh when you have to make the retired minimum distribution and you know, that money's coming out and uh, you'll be in a lower tax bracket well last time i checked if you make a hundred thousand dollars that's more than ninety thousand and those are just you know imaginary numbers but you can get the idea that's why you need to see the baby boomer dilemma and that's why i'm so grateful that dennis has made arrangements he and his uh, outstanding team at wilson financial advisors have secured uh 25 different uh screenings there's a stream you can go to at the uh, at the website for the movie the baby boomer dilemma and basically we have promo codes for you we've got 12 more of these to give away right now uh give us a call at 800 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line we're taking your name and information for the drawing for bob lapine's book build a stronger marriage the path to oneness but basically everybody who calls in between now and the top of the hour is going to get a copy of the baby boomer dilemma now if you've watched it before please don't call okay the encouragement is for other people to call and take advantage of this but if you did see this in the theaters want to let you know that the stream the link that we'll be giving you actually has a couple of hours of additional bonus material that didn't make the final cut so it's a very educational stream get your friends together uh pop some popcorn you know get pizza have sushi whatever you're going to do and then watch this together and then have dennis wilson's number handy it's 800-696-9970 and or you can just go to kbrightradio.com and we've got it there but so we basically have 12 streamings of the baby boomer dilemma movie that we're giving away right now in addition to one copy of bob lapine's the path to oneness build a stronger marriage 800-227-5278-800-227-5278-800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line on the other side of this break we'll talk a little bit more about marriage and why did a recent train wreck give us a perfect analogy for what often happens in a marriage that's going bad? We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Bob Lapine, the voice you hear along with Alistair Begg on the Truth For Life broadcast every weekday, 12 noon here on K Brighton, all throughout the Crawford Broadcasting Network. You can just check uh, crawfordmediagroup.net and find out where you can hear Bob Lapine on Truth For Life. Bob is also a pastor. Uh, he serves as a pastor at in his home church at his home state of Little Rock, Arkansas. He is the founding and teaching pastor of Redeemer Community Lutheran or Community Church there. And his new book is called Build a Stronger Marriage, The Path to Oneness. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. 
800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, one of the reasons why marriages fall apart, of course, is something happens to the couple. They go through a hard time. Maybe uh, one of the spouses was unfaithful in, in their marital uh, vows or maybe with money or something like that. So oftentimes, it's something that happens in their past that comes to surface in the marriage, and you have to learn how to deal with this. But what happens if other people in your world have a catastrophe? Maybe you have a kid who falls apart, or maybe there's neighbors or people who are close to you who fall apart, and you wind up getting, you know, wondering why are things happening to us? Kind of that Ghostbusters thing, right? Where where the slime starts getting at everybody and making them angry. I think that was Ghostbusters too. Um, remember back in uh, February, the Norfolk Southern uh, train derailment. 100 cars on this train derailed, landed in the town of East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention sent a 15-member crew out to that area. Remember how uh, U.S. Department of Secretary... Uh, Department of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg was loath to go there because first he had to go on vacation and then he and the man that he's quote unquote married to had a couple of kids and one of them had a problem and had to be hospitalized. And, and then, of course, President Biden didn't want to make a big deal out of this. But the, the, the toxicity, the, the chemical fallout in this area was pretty severe. Um, and, and neighbors were going to, they were going to town hall meetings saying we're getting sick, we can't work, our food's contaminated, what are you guys going to do? And well, you know, they were told it's, it's not that big a deal. The train, it happened, there were lots of derailments that happen all the time, uh, this wasn't that bad, the fatality thing, no big deal. Okay. The train derailed on February the 3rd, all right? Five of the train cars emitted vinyl chloride, which is a human carcinogen, which is used to manufacture PVC. Basically, those that, that derailment, it started a controlled burn of substances on the vehicle after the local authorities showed up and said, we got to nip this thing in the bud. The plumes of black smoke that were visible throughout eastern Ohio and western Pennsylvania led a lot of residents there to say, what in the ever-loving? We are having a hard time. And they were told, no, you're fine. No, you're fine. You're fine. Well, the EPA <laughs> sent out a group of people and the CDC sent out a group of people. There was a 15-member crew that went out to get research and survey the town. And they went out two months after all of this went down. And guess what happened? Of the 15 members on the crew, seven of them got sick within the first day they were there. Now, nearly half of those people wound up getting sick because of the same things that the residents of East Palestine were telling uh, investigators that they were getting sick about as well. So what does East Palestine have to do with a marriage that's falling apart? We'll connect the dots on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com. Hit the Preborn banner right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Just a couple of moments left for you today to call in for Bob Lapine's book that we're giving away today here on the Bottom Line Show. Bob, a, 
uh, pastor and author. Uh, he's written a book called Build a Stronger Marriage, The Path to Oneness. We've got one copy we're giving away at 800-227-5278. Also, Dennis Wilson's movie, or the movie that, that Dennis is making available. He didn't produce it, but he's making it available. It's called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. It looks at the history of the retirement plan, the pension plan, the 401k, IRA here in the U.S., and why you may be at risk in your retirement if you're putting all of your eggs in those proverbial baskets. We've got a dozen of these streaming uh, clicks, to, links to give away, and we're doing that today at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. So what does the Norfolk Southern 100-car train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, have to do with marriage and the enemy? Most marriages that do fall apart do because of some level of toxicity that enters into the marriage, either because of infidelity in the area of physical intimacy or infidelity because of money or just betrayal or, you know, the false pretenses. You know, everyone comes to their, the, or one pastor described it this way, everyone comes to their wedding night, both husband and wife, with a bag that was packed of the things they'll need for their honeymoon, but they also come with an emotional piece of baggage that was packed by their family and by the things that shaped them when they were younger. And when you open those for the first time on that wedding night, you begin to unpack everything that's in there and see what needs to stay and what doesn't. And you find things that were polluted and corrupted and things of that nature. There's sin in the world that can corrupt. What's interesting about the, uh, the 100-car derailment in East Palestine, Feb 3, was that two months later, when the EPA and the CDC sent investigators out, they sent a team of 15 people to do investigations. Townspeople have been telling them, we're getting sick from this stuff, and they're like, ah, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Half of the investigators got sick within the first 24 hours, and that was two months after the fact. The effect of chemical weaponry, if you will, even though you can't see it, even though the plumes of smoke are gone, the chemical residue remains. And what we're dealing with in the culture right now, brothers and sisters, is the effects of sin and generational curses that continue on from one generation to the next. Now, as God's people, God is about breaking generational curses with us and restoring us. If we repent from our sin, then we are breaking sin cycles, and that's wonderful. But we live in a world that doesn't do that. So we really aren't helping ourselves at all if we're saying, I don't understand why this is happening in my marriage when you understand that, look, the people of East Palestine weren't all on that train. I mean, it was carrying chemicals and supplies and things of that nature. It wasn't necessarily a passenger train per se, but because there was a derailment, because it crashed, it flipped over, stuff started to burn, and the chemical residue went everywhere, it impacted the marriage. Please don't think for a moment that because you are washed in the blood of the lamb, that your marriage will not be impacted by the effect of toxicity coming from other places. Pray daily that God will put a hedge of protection around you and your spouse and your marriage and your family. But don't stop there. Be that light of Christ that shows other people when you're burning with the light of Christ that's burning purely in your heart, you're also going to expose the fact that there are these crazy chemicals in the air. Some families might have toxicity they never even imagined was there because they just figured, well, this is how we do it. This is how we, I mean, you, nobody makes dad upset about this or just let mom have her days or whatever. Understand that when the light comes in, People love the darkness more than light. They're going to say, hey, don't put the light on my bad stuff, my horrible behavior. Please turn the light off so I can at least function. Let your light so shine before others that they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, but do so with gentleness and respect. That is the good news, and that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, it's this week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues.